I'm the Minister of Menstruation, and you're listening to Periodically Speaking, the podcast. Vaginas, vaginas, vaginas. There is an urgent need to change the conversation, or at the very least, to have a conversation. A healthy vagina is incredibly important to one's physical, mental, and emotional health, and of course, the sexual function. In this episode, we're changing the way we think, speak, and feel about vaginas starting right now. And to help me with this, I'm joined by the founder and director of the Vagina Museum and author, Florence. Florence, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. And to get this conversation flowing, no pun intended, I want us to chat about why you think it's still taboo to talk about vaginal health. Yeah, well, so there's this thing called the patriarchy. I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, the patriarchy, you know, it, one of the ways that it manifests itself and the ways it exerts its power mm. by, you know, making women and people with vaginas like, you know, subordinate essentially is by making us ashamed of our bodies. Mm. And by making us ashamed of our bodies, of our vaginas, we don't realize that they're actually really, really powerful because we're, we're receiving this message, you're dirty, you're disgusting. We don't realize that actually it's completely the opposite. And because we're distracted with this shame, because we don't realize how powerful we are, we can't fight back. We can't be dismantling the patriarchy because we're too busy, you know, trying to hide our pads down our sleeves and trying to protect ourselves from violence. We're like distracted. And yeah. so I think that's why it's also taboo. Mm-hmm. And this thing about the patriarchy, I feel like there's an element of, internalizing internalized conditioning that often we don't unpack within ourselves that we only uncover or are aware later on in life right and it's it's really unfortunate that young menstruators in particular have to carry this form of stigma and shame so young um even when they start their period at the age of eight right there's that element of the patriarchy con- controlling them as to what they should and shouldn't do when they're on their period, right? So I think for me, I would like to know from from you, especially as the founder of the Vagina Museum, what is it that you hope for young girls? Um, what What is it that you hope young girls get to learn about their own reproductive health that you wish you knew when you were younger? Mm. Well, I was really lucky, I will say, that mm. my parents, like, taught me uh, as best they could. Mm. Um, my mum gave me she was far too awkward to actually talk about periods so what she did instead is she gave me a book about periods and she was like read this and um, <laughs> if you have any if you have any questions ask me but you could learn everything from this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um and then when I did get my period at 11 years old um I told my mom I like cried down the phone because she was at work at the time mm. and uh she told me like even though we'd already had this conversation it's still very alarming seeing your you know blood in your knickers for the first time uh you know so everything was fine and then I went to tell my dad because he was the only one in the house and he congratulated me wow so nice wow he was like like, oh congratulations now (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, yeah, he was really yeah. great. So what I would say is, is I was very lucky. And what I hope for young girls mm. and menstruators is that they have like such a positive experience like I did, um, that parents are having these conversations with their kids before they're getting their periods, that they're teaching them the things that they need to know before they need to know them, and that they view it as like a positive experience mm. and not a negative one. That's that's really what I want to be happening in the future and now. And now, exactly, especially now. And I think that is, it's an incredible and also bold move in establishing the Vagina Museum, right? In, in, in as much as on social media, it provides a historical um, outlook in terms of, you know, how vaginas have been seen. Um, I think currently where we, we're, we're having an issue about the policing of women's bodies in particular, or people who have vaginas, and there's a policing of that, it's so great to have an institution say, come on in, let's learn about vaginas in a positive way, right? And so I think that is part of building a period positive world and also a, a sex positive world that I think a lot of young girls and young boys should be excited about, that they can openly have these conversations and feel empowered about it because at the end of the day, it's sex is a natural thing, it happens, we do it, and we need to remove any form of stigma and shame and taboo around it. And we need to call a thing a thing. We need to call a vagina a vagina and a penis a penis. And that's fine. Nothing has happened to us. Thor did not come into this room and strike lightning. We're still alive and we're still okay. And we just also want the listeners to just embrace that language and, and understanding that it's also so powerful in the language that we use, especially when it comes to reproductive health as well, right? So to end off this podcast, we have the Flowcast, where we get our guests to manifest or hope for a better period positive world. And Florence, I'd like to you to tell us what your Flowcast for the future is, whether it's, you know, more vagina museums around the world or whether it's <laughs> young girls speaking openly about vaginal health. What is your Flowcast? Oh, uh, firstly, I just want to say Flowcast, very appropriate considering my name is Florence. Mm -hmm. um, so my what I would like to manifest for the future is um, I see how neoliberal capitalism really harms us. It makes us ashamed of our bodies. Um, it tries to profit off that shame mm. and of that pain as well. Mm. It profits off us um, not going to the doctor because, you know, if you have a long term health condition, instead of like actually sorting it out quickly, that means you have to spend loads of money on like hmm. pads and pain relief and all these sorts of things. So what I would like to see for the future is, I know it's a big ask, but the dismantlement of capitalism. <laughs> Girl. And you know what? I was, a, and I was like, she's asking for the dismantling of capitalism, but then I was about to say, but let's talk a little bit about the vagina dialogues and how people need to buy this upcoming book. <laughs> well, look, yeah. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. We don't have a choice but to live in it. While my landlord still wants me to pay rent, unfortunately, I must partake. <laughs> right, right, right. So tell us about the vagina dialogues, because I feel like as part of your flowcast, I would love to see more um, manuscripts, more books of the flow um, of the vagina di dialogues being in schools, in households. So what is the vagina dialogues for the listeners to now, you know, get more get access mm. to this book. Tell us about it um, in terms of, yeah, promoting the capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, everyone can buy my book. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so I I was um, approached by Penguin to write a book that was specifically mm. aimed at teenagers, but it's also great for adults to read, uh, about learning to love your vulva. Mm. Um, and as part of that, I wrote about lots of different things. I wrote about health. I wrote about art, history, LGBT issues. Um, and I was talking about so many stories. And also, there's so many axes of oppression as well as just... Uh, the misogyny that we face, you know, like the shame that we have around our vulvas is also really tied into racism, in ableism. So I was talking about a lot of different things. Mm. Um, what I really wanted was I didn't want me to just be like, I am the definitive voice. I am the only person whose opinion matters. So I invited a lot of really cool people, wink, wink, <laughs> to come and contribute to the book and to write uh, things more from your experience and of course you are one of the contributors uh, <laughs> in our in our periods chapter talking about how you shouldn't be ashamed of your period mm-hmm. um and uh, I really I really love it we've got seven contributors in total I think mm-hmm. um and they range from Dr Ronks who is a non-binary uh A&E doctor mm-hmm. um who does like kids shows and activism and is really really cool we've got um Eliza Rainbow who is a disabled activist uh talking about how even though she's disabled she still has sex those two things like aren't um uh mutually exclusive yeah um and we've got yeah all these like amazing amazing yeah um, contributors uh well I'm really excited for the vagina dialogues I won't even lie it sounds like a very empowering corporation you know come through to the vagina dialogue to learn more about your vagina it just sounds like a powerful movement that i hope everyone will be a part of and and also i hope their wallets will be a part of by empowering (laughs) not only the contributors but also you know themselves in an engaging conversation so florence i'd just like to thank you for contributing to this conversation and also just being on periodically speaking the podcast i i really do appreciate your time and just to end off i want people to know that periodically speaking vaginas are great and it's about time to remove any form of negativity or shame around it so we're hoping you enjoyed this engaging conversation and that's on what period